What's up, Doers and Shakers? This is your host, Hannah, of the Doers and Shakers podcast, a soft place to land for hardcore visionaries, a platform that I created on social media and in the podcast land to collectively energize with other entrepreneurs. If you are brand new to this podcast, first off, welcome. Thank you for being here, and I'm super stoked for you to check out this episode. If you are wondering what a doer and shaker is, by definition of the Doers and Shakers podcast, it is this, someone that will stop at nothing to get things done. With a dream and a vision in mind, nothing can stop them. That is why I have with me today a multi-album selling artist, rapper, producer, children's author, podcaster, and more. The only main artist in the last 10 years to have put out a certified gold single. Spose, ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very excited. Before I get into that episode, I just wanted to touch a little bit on what I do as a doers and shaker. I am a full-time lifestyle and wedding photographer, but I am also a business coach, helping people work from a place of alignment and magnetism. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, doers.and.shakers, or on my website, www.doersandshakers.com. Find all the fancy ways we can collab, link arms, or grow your business from an extremely heartfelt, authentic story-like brand. All right, guys, without further ado, and the reason that you're popping on, Spose. Hello, doers and shakers. Welcome to yet again another episode. I am rocking and rolling with someone super rad right now. I um, Can you have stage fright without being on stage or seeing the other person? I don't know, but I have it. I'm excited. I'm here today with Ryan Peters. Spose is his stage name. The King of Maine, Peter Sparker. Spose, all the things across the board. He's a multi-album selling artist rapper, producer, children's author, podcaster, and more. The only main artist in the last 10 years to have put out a certified gold single. So naturally, I had to get him on here. You can't get any more doing and shaking than that. So welcome, Spose. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I am so stoked that you're here. I feel like I have so many questions and want to talk. Um, I also feel like the past like three or four days have been so consumed with spose because i feel like i've been (laughs) listening to your music even more than natural uh looking up all the things listening to different podcasts you've been on uh just a type a overachiever over here so now hearing your voice on my podcast i feel like i've just had had you all around me like for the past three days well i promise i'll be out of your hair very soon so (laughs) (laughs) i want to start off it's amazing. It's amazing. I want to start off with uh, who is Spose? Like, I want, I want to hear straight from you. I want, I want to hear all the things. Yeah, I mean, um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, so, you know, so basically Spose is a character. Spose is like a, you know, almost like, a, almost like a superhero version of me that I, I invented when I was like 15 with my friends when we were rapping. Um, I had always been into to music and then, you know, I was in a band, I was in a band called Fight Shirt. And then, um, you know, we started rapping. So I became Spose and, you know, uh, that was, I was MC Spose and I was Spose. There's really no great story behind the significance of the name. Um, although I sometimes make up a fake one for fun, but um, overall, I mean, Spose is like the superhero version of Ryan Peters. That's like, you know, uh, you know, that I kind of invented to, you know, to cope with life and to feel cooler and to like, you know, to, to take me where places I I couldn't go on my own, I guess. Mm -hmm. I totally understand that. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that exact feeling. Do you feel like you have always felt um, internally a little scared and nervous as to what direction you were going to, whether it was fame, uh, you know, whether you're putting out vulnerable art for everyone to criticize or critique. Have you always felt like this inner critic yourself? Wow. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I still, to this day, I'm like my worst critic, I think, you know, it's like, um, but I, I, I guess scared. I don't know if scared is the word so much as like, I've always felt this like inertia that I have to get some, I have to like get somewhere. It's like, I'm always trying to get somewhere, you know, and I'm never, I'm there. I'm never there. I'm like perpetually on my way, you know? And, um, you know, but even way before I did rap music, I always, this is, this is going to sound stupid. I, I always felt like I was like, you know, special or something or like the center of the universe. But like, isn't that what everyone feels? Cause you are the, you're the perspective you view the world from. So I, I, I say that, I guess, not to say it out of like arrogance, but just like out of like, I just was, I, I was convinced I had to do something for me, you know, to, to, to make it, you know, or to, to achieve something or to prove everyone wrong or, or to prove I'm somebody, you know, or, or, or not nobody, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of artists, entrepreneurs, doers and shakers as a whole, we have like this fire burning, like magic spell over us almost that like, we are going to do this. And then when we complete that, it's like, what's next. And it doesn't come from a place of like, nothing's good enough, but it's because we have so much inside of us, creatively speaking, that we have to pull out. And it's like, you do something and that inspires you to do something else. Or like, it's the way we see the world. We're walking around or hearing shit and like doing things. And we're like, that has to go into my medium, you know, that I have to paint, that I have to sing, that I have to shoot that. Um, I get that vibe from you, like following you over the years and like seeing you live or listening to your music. Um, I get the sense that it's, it's never really a feeling about fame for you. It's about like the doing piece. Like you, ha you live to do it all creatively. Yeah. I mean, th thank you. I think that's fair to say, I think, um, you know, I, to be honest, like at, at this point in my life where I'm, I'm now 35 and I've been doing music for almost, you know, more than half my life, you know, I've been exposed for 20 years, you know, it was like, the year 2000, I was 15 doing, being supposed, you know? And so it's like, but I, I, I guess at this point in my life, I finally was able, it may be in part thanks to the pandemic to kind of like take a step back from the like constant hustle and the constant like pursuit of more, I guess, like I, as in like, um, I was always, I'm always trying to get more fans because I think more fans leak more money. And then I think once I have more money, I won't, have as many worries you know but then uh you know biggie said more money more problems so it's a reversed you know it's like mm -hmm. a, it's a cycle you know and mm -hmm. so you know i think the pandemic and especially kind of like the solitude of my job normally you know when i'm not on stage and i'm not in the room with other people i'm mostly by myself like four or five days a week nine to five you know making music and so the solitude of the pandemic i think really sharpened into focus that like what I really like doing and the reason I do this at the end of the day should be and at this point is because I love making music and I love doing it with people and I love trying new things and I love like learning new things and proving to myself I can you know do things and in turn I guess proving to other people I can do things so I can open a new door so I can do a new thing you know and <laughs> and I know that you know I think you probably relate but it's just like I definitely have that fire inside of me to, you know, to keep going and prove people wrong. But I think at the end of the day, I need, I've been trying to separate almost like the competitive commercialness of it and just like kind of focus on like the moment, like, and not worry about how good a song does when it comes out and worry more about having a great time making the song. And did I have fun listening to it on the way home? And am I going to have fun when we do it at band practice and, you know, stuff like that. Mm, yeah, the process before the outcome, feeling the actual process while you're there instead of focusing on the outcome. That's amazing. I think a lot more people need to tap into that energy. Um, so like, start us off from the beginning, like when things really started getting hot, and you were like, feeling like you were lifting off taking flight was that you know, when you started working with Universal, like where, where did everything start taking flight for you? Yeah, I guess uh, taking flight's a good metaphor for it, I guess, just because like, um, I don't know, my whole life up until that point, I felt very in control of what, what 
was happening around me or what it was happening to me. You know, I was making it happen, you know, uh, and they were all very small kind of incremental changes. You know, I, about 2007, like February, 2000, no, I guess summer 2007, I started like handing out an EP to people that I had made. Suppose this EP is the preposterously dank EP and the album was coming soon, you know, and as soon as I started handing those out, it started to take off because people would hear it and they would react. It wasn't in a way, you know, and I don't attribute this to anything, me being special so much as this is just the case with anybody is who's not trying to copy everything they hear is that I was making something original and I was making something that was all me, you know, in a way, or something that like only I could make was this music. You know, it's like, there's certainly rap music and there's certainly white rap music and there's certainly even rap music from Maine but none of them are me, you know? And so when I started putting that out, started getting some love locally, you know, and that was on a real organic level, you know, I'm selling, you know, the, the six CDs Bull Moose let me bring, I sold those. So I'm now I'm bringing them 20, you know, and then we sell the 20. And so then I'm bringing Bull Moose, which is a local record chain in Maine, um, you know, then I'm bringing them 50 and we're selling all those. And then I'm playing my first local show. And that, you know, it was the, all this organic, building of now I'm now I have an email address of somebody at Bull Moose and now I have an email address of somebody at the radio station I'm building these relationships and and kind of branching out from my initial you know spark of fan base which was like my friends in Wells you know in Wells Maine where I where I was you know from fifth grade to the time I had a kid when I was 23 and so you know so I start branching out and I'm playing colleges and I'm in college at this point you know so I was like very young and I, I don't I wouldn't even say I really was like trying to be an entrepreneur or start a business I was just trying to make people take me seriously as a rapper you know and so that's why I was like if I can make a cd they'll be, you know they'll show I'll show them and I already had all these skills with computers my whole life up until then if I hadn't done rap I'd probably be doing you know like I'd probably be like the layout design person at like Down East Magazine or something like that's like my that was like I was really good at computers and like design and and um, I did I worked at newspapers you know all my teenage years even like before I was legally able to work I worked at the newspaper designing ads and so I just kind of had this like knowledge of computers so I you know I designed the album art and I'm making the graphics for MySpace which is the era I'm releasing music at the first time and <laughs> you know and so I'm doing all this and I'm learning the game you know, and then uh, I put out my 12th song ever, I'm Awesome, mm. and it becomes, you know, because of the connections I already have locally at this point, a local radio hit. Well, and also it became a hit because it is a hit. It, it, uh, it's, a, it's a striking song, you know, so it's like people heard it and they react. It's The dirty word for it in the music industry is it's a reaction record. Like you hear it and you react, you know, and so... Um, you know, so at that point I'm in college and I have a baby, you know, all this happened very quickly after my first album. And, uh, you know, I'm going back to college and my daughter's about to turn one and I put out, you know, I'm awesome. And me and Cam, my friend Cam Groves put out this mixtape with it. You know, we smoked it all and was the name of the mixtape. And, um, it was another self-release thing. And at this point, my wife was working. She, she wasn't my wife at, at the time. She was like my baby mama, you know, my girlfriend. And she she loaned us money like 600 bucks or something to print the the mixtape you know <laughs> that I'm awesome was on and I was like simultaneously going to college then working like delivering pizzas at night and collecting unemployment illegally you know just to like survive I was so you know I was like so broke and um and and just young and and, and desperate in a way and so the song blows up locally and then it you know, catches the eye of basically Universal Republic Records and a few other record labels just because of the numbers of like, why is this song getting so, why is, why is this song getting as many spins as Kesha, you know, is like, what is what they're trying to figure out. And so, you know, I basically sign a record deal with them um, and their big goal, you know, and they send me, you know, basically the amount of money I used to start the company I still run today, you know, is like my, my major label advance which you're supposed to go blow on like a, a gold chain and like in, you know, a <laughs> SUV, you know, I kind of just like bought a MacBook and bought an interface and like started my own, you know, bought some microphones and started my own, you know, bought a bunch of t-shirts and sold those and, you know, started my company. 
Um, not to say I didn't also blow it on, you know, lots of like steak dinners, you know, and frivolous, you know, scotch and like whatever, but, um, you know, in like coach purses for my girl, you know, for, for my wife, you know, or whatever. And, um, and, uh, so I signed the record deal and basically the song is a success and it goes gold, which, you know, sells over 500,000 copies at this point, it's almost sold a million copies, which is super cool. Um, and, um, they want the big second single. They want the big follow-up. You know, if I'm to put it in like a metaphor of like other white rappers, like, you know, like Macklemore, like Macklemore had the song Thrift Shop, right? Which is a big, you know, kind of goofy hit. And then he followed it up with this other song. It was like, where do we go back? This is our moment. The, the, like, <laughs> like stadium, the big like Apple commercial stadium anthem, you know, and that basically solidified him in the, like the published consciousness. And so they're, that's what they're looking for is the second single you know the big one to be like you know no he's more than i'm awesome he's this you know and so i make all these songs and they don't really see where i'm they don't really see what you know the artists suppose and i'm trying to make all these pop records and you know for them and i'm flying out to la i mean with all these kind of like dance music like dance pop producers and you know just make and at this point i'm so young and naive and, and almost like i guess like malleable you know like i'm able to be like you know, I'm not like strong enough in my convictions and my self-belief yet to be like, no, 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 no. We're making like an alternative rock rap album. You know, like I didn't, I didn't know how to, you know, and it's my first time in LA and I'm just like trying to like smoke weed and get drunk with Cam and, you know, maybe go see the Lakers Celtics game at the, you know, the, the Staples Center and like also, you know, see California and like whatever. And so I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was very young and naive. Um, and so, you know, after about 11 months, I get dropped from the label and thus begin my, you know, I, I, I consider that like going to college, you know, like that was like going to college for the music industry. And so thus, you know, January 2011, 10 years ago, I put out my first independent, my, you know, my second album, my second independent album, Happy Medium. And so everything from then has been me. Amazing. Amazing. That's such an incredible story. I feel like the whole time I was listening, you were painting this picture for me. I was like flying in that plane. I was eating that <laughs> steak. I was like front and center watching basketball, like kicking it. That's so amazing. That story is awesome. What's like one thing, like one big mega bomb that you learned about yourself from like a business artist standpoint through that whole experience to this day? What do you like know that you gained from that? Yeah. I mean, the big... I, I guess, you know, I could pull out a hundred, but the big one is, is to trust my gut. You know, it was like, my gut told me somebody wasn't going to be a good partner for me in that experience, you know, like, uh, like, uh, management, you know, or like I knew my gut told me, but I still did it. And my gut told me, uh, oh, maybe this record deal, maybe you should, you know, my gut all along the way was steering me the right way. They're like, um, you know, make, make the stuff that you made that were, you know, you were true to you beforehand is what I basically, I learned in that experience is like, I'm almost like I'm good enough. Like I'm, I'm good enough to trust my gut that I don't need some ex, you know, some other expert, you know, in an email chain didn't come up with, I'm awesome. I came up with that, you know? And so it's like, I got to like, I guess in a way, like stand up for myself and trust myself and not be bogged down with like all these well, and also learning to say no is like, yeah. that's, that's like, maybe it's the same thing, but just learning to say no, like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to play that event. I don't want to, you know, and I think that was it is I was so young and naive that I was like, yes, yes, yes. I want to do this. Yes. Let's play that. Let's do this. You know? And I think that, you know, you got to learn that though. It's like, I can't like take it back. It's, yeah. so it's like, you know, I think the big thing was like, you know, A, prove to myself that I, that I can hang, but like B, I kind of blew it by like entrusting everybody else, you know, at that time when I knew the thing I should have done. Yeah. And that's just it. And I think, and I'm so happy you touched on that. Cause I think no matter what field somebody is in and no matter how far they're trying to expand their brand or their vision, we don't always have to look outward. You know, it's sometimes it's just like inward. It's already there. We just have to like plan our feet, trust our gut and like go with what we already have, um, which 
sparked something that I was recently reading about you, uh, an inspiration you have at the author, John Steinbeck, about how you, you reading him, he just speaks about the same thing over and over again in this like place of home. And I was reading that you, um, it was actually a podcast episode that you were doing and you were, you were saying like, oh, you know, I don't have to go relearn anything about where I'm from or where I'm speaking about or where I'm speaking from. I'm from Maine. I know this. I feel this. It's in me. And it kind of like led a lot of your, a lot of your words, a lot of your poetry and your music, right? Is that correct? 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I, the big lesson from Steinbeck was just that like, you know, he, he has these stories that are some of the great American like writings you know the writings of the world of all time kind of about regular working class people in where he lives in the salinas valley in california you know and also the the people who came out from oklahoma in the dust bowl to find work in um california is what the grapes of wrath is about you know and he wrote about a bunch of other times too but you know and and mexicans uh in um you know mid 1900s california you know, and all this, and, and all these things that he saw with his own eyes. It's like, and so what I learned from that is like, you know, that his story, it was good enough where it was like the human condition and the, you know, the, um, the story, your story is good enough in a way, you know, and so, it, but that, you know, for me, the big epiphany was like, I can't, you know, all the rap I grew up listening to you, you know, initially when you're coming out, in whatever um, medium you do, you know, you're gonna replicate your favorites. You know, you're gonna, if you're a movie director, you're gonna replicate your favorite directors. If you're a, you know, a photographer, you're probably gonna do shots that are like shots you saw that you like. You know, if they're, if you're a musician, if you're a band, you're probably gonna sound, try to sound like, write songs like some of your favorite bands. And so it was no different for me as a rapper. I was, you know, I, all through high school was, trying to sound like every rapper I heard on the radio, you know? And so um, I think for Steinbeck, which I discovered like freshman year in college, really, um, I think it just like gave me the confidence to be kind of unapologetically me and be like Wells, Maine, you know, and, and, and rep for Maine as if it was, you know, Brooklyn or, or, um, Cal sorry, I'm gonna call uh California, you know, or, or Los Angeles or Atlanta or whatever. And so um, you know, I just I just credit John Steinbeck, in addition to just being like really enjoyable to read his like writing, um, I just credit him with like kind of opening my eyes that like uh my every every little town you live you could live in on earth, you know, has the human stories happening all around you that are good enough to tell in in art. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes just using our story and what we're learning from uh, internally from ourselves and then pulling in, you know, the external feelings that we're getting from people of inspiration that can totally ignite everything we're trying to say. Um, what, what do you feel like that you want to like get across every time you show up to social media and you do a post or you are on YouTube or Twitter, like you're just kind of sending a message about who you are and why you're showing up like where do you find that where does that come from or is it just sporadic every day you're like oh I got shit to say I'm gonna hop on and say that or like you know where does all that come from where do you find what you want to say wow um these are great questions um so <laughs> I'm going heavy I'm going heavy <laughs> I, I got I guess I got two kind of answers to that one of them is like as far as like social media and what I post and when I post it you know, it, it all kind of depends on two things. One, like, for example, like, they're all, all the social medias are a, a, uh, an algorithm, right? Or they're like, uh, you know, they, they interact in different ways with the user and with you and your posts or whatever. And so I use them all for different reasons. You know, like I know, I know on Facebook, more people are going to click on my link to buy my album and actually give me money, you know, or to click on a link to buy a t-shirt or to stream an album, you know, if I interact with them about trivial shit in between those times I'm asking for money. So like the other day on Facebook, I just posted, <laughs> I just posted, uh, I've peed in most of the Hannafords in Maine. That's it. That's all yeah. I posted. And it has no merit as far as like, Oh, what, a, you know, to, except that it's on brand it's Maine and it's you know and it's me being brutally honest 
you know, in a way that's like shocking to people, which I guess is part of the brand. But like the real point of that is that so they all interact with my post. So in a month when I, you know, drop like the, the uh, like pre with the pre-sale link for my new album, they've interacted with me. So it shows up in their, in their feed or whatever, you know, is like, so that's like a two prong thing. Twitter is different. I literally will say anything on Twitter. I literally, I said on Twitter yesterday, I just go, I love the strokes. That's it. <laughs> I just fucking love the strokes. I was listening to them. I thought, Hey, I love them. Let me, <laughs> I was like, I fucking love the strokes. I'm going to post that. That's it. And there's no like logic behind that. So I like Twitter for that. Also, I use Twitter to get out anger I have at the world or, you know, uh, racists or like whoever I'm mad at on a given day, uh, you know, can vent it on Twitter and rather than Facebook, where on Facebook, this is, you know, I'm going to have Militia Joe in my friggin' messages, you know, come into <laughs> my video shoot if I post it on Facebook, whereas on Twitter, it, you know, it's gone in an hour. And so, um, you know, and so I use all those for different reasons, but to back kind of further out to I think maybe like your initial question is like what what is like the meaning of it all or like what's the like overall thing and I was thinking about it as I was writing something this morning a song about how basically because I've been making all this very introspective music trying to figure out like why I'm my new album trying to like figure out why I am the way I am you know dating back to like my childhood and like what I do to cope with that and, you know, the character Spose and like how I play in, you know, whatever. And so what I kind of realized is that like, basically I'm selling hope is, is the brand, you know, you listen to it to hopefully feel hopeful either directly that like, I'm telling you something hopeful that should cheer you up or whatever, or be just relating to me and knowing someone maybe like is going through something similar to you or has related or I've worked in that restaurant or I've you know what I've experienced that same like you know detail or that restaurant or whatever um, makes someone feel hopeful that someone else like them is out here you know doing their thing yes and you're you're so relatable I know like I everyone says that when you get brought up you know it's like everyone has that story before they got to what they're really doing. They were working in a restaurant just to pay their, pay their bills, you know, not to get evicted. And it's like your, your songs, your music, your lyrics, all of it is so relatable. Everything I've ever listened to. I'm like, holy shit, I've done that. Or holy shit, I feel that exactly. Yeah. And like, so I love, and I respect that you come from a place of hope or bringing people a feeling of feeling hopeful um there's your lyrics are so vulnerable as well like speaking about your your childhood and going through like parents that argue and like what it feels like to be a kid to deal with that shit and i think we can all like tap into that and understand that like you know we plug into a a book or a movie or a song to like escape all that. And then that, you know, comes with us into being an adult. And, and if you're any form of an artist, it dives into whatever medium you're doing uh, because that's where you're vulnerable and that's where you're emotional. And so I respect and adore the hell out of that, that you pull from that in your music and I, and are vulnerable enough, whether you have the, you know, the title rapper next to your name, where people often think that, you know, you must be hardcore and you're, you know, you're bad, you know, it's like, you're not going to speak up about emotions. You do, you know, and you, and you make it that, um, yeah, I'm a rapper, but I'm also a dad of four, you know, I'm a husband, I'm loyal. I do this, I do that. And, and you speak about all that, all those things. And I, I know I speak for everyone and probably everyone that's going to listen to this, that we thank you for that. That's huge. It's, I know that's personally a huge reason why I listen to a lot of your stuff. So there is so that. Much. so kind. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, switching gears a tad, you mentioned, you know, you use Twitter to, you know, get out some of your anger and talk about racism and all the things. I noticed you do a lot of advocating in your direct community and you're out there in the streets, like, like, you know, hyping and using your voice to like speak out against this almost ridiculous like shift like we're almost rewinding history and going back to such disgusting acts uh do you like talk about that like how you're feeling and how you use your brand and almost you know your fame if you will um to speak for other people and to get out in the streets to advocate against all of this yeah i mean i 
you know, and that kind of, I guess for me personally, like it all ties back into like, as I'm trying to like psychoanalyze myself and why I'm this way, like, uh, you know, it all ties back into, for me, my, my recent goal of the last like couple of years is trying to get closer to who I was before I was supposed in a way, like trying to get to the almost like childlike purity of like things that made me happy and things that made me stoked and like what I've, what I liked and, you know, shit I don't like. And, and I think part of that is even back when I was like a kid, I just was like, so mad about any injustice I saw done to any anyone around me you know and maybe it was like kind of, maybe I was like extra sensitive to it because of my home and my parents getting divorced and my mom you know having like a bunch of or a couple uh you know psycho boyfriends and and um you know maybe it made me like extra sensitive to it but like I just can't stand for it it pisses me off and so you know I guess in those scenarios where like I'm you know I'm the suppose the one with like the fame that's really like very like ryan emotions like the you know the real me um things that i've been speaking about you know when i was at wells high school i would you know i'd like make signs and put them around the school about like you know political things i was like you know i like ran for class president and stuff you know uh not that you can make much you know societal change in that role but just like you know, I never shied away from like putting myself out there at the risk of, you know, ridicule or judgment or whatever, if I believe something. And, um, you know, I, obviously like you're, like you were saying, you kind of tied it into social media, the, um, you know, like, what do I post on Facebook? Should I post about, you know, it's suspect, like you were saying, it's like turning back the time. It really does feel like the sixties or something where like, they're going to show up at, you know, it's like, if you show something, if you say something online, it might have like real life repercussions right now, you know, for me, you know, like, and it, and it has, you know, even just like walking through my, you know, the town, my, my office is in and marching and, um, you know, and if I talk to the news, you know, I get all these comments you know, I get messages, I get all sorts of stuff. So it's, you know, it's a dangerous time for sure. Like I'm not, but um, I'm not going to shy away from it because of that, but I might definitely not say something the way I might want to, you know, yeah. at the risk of the consequences. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to be silent in the like great moment of truth, you know, for, for society, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm just like a speck in the, you know, in the, it, on the, on the face of the earth, you know, at the end of the day. So it's like, uh, you know, I, I might as well um, use my, use whatever platform I've built up to try to educate and help because I don't come from a place of uh, selfishness on it. I really am not like looking for any sort of personal gain or or anything, I, if anything, I'm like risking all that for, to hopefully, you know, make it, make things better for people who don't have it as good as me, you know? And so, um, yeah, definitely is a tricky time though, as to what to say to who and how far to go. And, but I, you know, but I really come from like a, I read about, you know, geography, <laughs> you know, and I, I know about, you know, uh you know like how many military bases the united states has around the world and like i know you know i, I I'm, I'm educated on this stuff so i feel like i'm not like doing a disservice just like sharing memes on some bullshit trying to like force some like conspiracy i read on the internet it's like i almost it's almost like i, I feel like i almost come from like the pre-disinformation age even yeah. though you know the things we were taught in school are whitewashed and and disinformation in a way it's like uh you know i just i don't know it's it's definitely a tricky time though as far as knowing what to say in that regard and to be honest like i really i really have tried to almost like pull back on addressing it in my art because like i just think um it's daunting it's daunting to like 
because I don't want to put out angry music. You know, it, it makes me angry. And I don't yeah. know if I want to make so much angry music as like, because where's, I don't know, you know, it's like Rage Against the Machine did it well, but I don't want to, you know, I don't know. So it's definitely been tricky for me, that whole, this, this whole thing. But I just think using my voice and actually speaking out and actually doing stuff in my community and actually going to meet with the chief of police, you know, with my wife and, you know, uh, and the, in the school board and trying to change the curriculum and working with kids who are actually, you know, out here basically on the front lines with, you know, guns in their face, you know, to stand with them, to be like, you know, we're, uh, we're with you, you know, we're not scared. So, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. And I, and I can respect and understand what it must feel like for you. You know, you want to like probably scream in the streets and then you're like, well, hold up. I got to reel it in for a hot sec because I am the face of a name of a thing of a brand of, you know, this whole creation. It's more than I have kids. It's honestly, yeah. more than oh, yeah. I'm, I'll burn the whole fucking spose thing down. You know, it's like, yeah. for me, it's like, that's, that's not really what I'm risking. It's, it's literally like the safety of like family members. It feels like in a way. And that's why like occasionally because I am loud, people will be like, Hey, will you ever run for office or political office? And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> like, you see, <laughs> like, A, you know, A, everything you do is even more scrutinized. And then B, your whole family scrutinized. And then C, you're basically at this point putting a target on your back. It's like, yeah. so shout out to like people willing to risk all that because that is, that is some shit to me. Mm, totally. Do you, how is that, you know, with protecting your family and your little bubble, your wife and your four kids? And, and what does that look like and feel like as far as ensuring that, you know, you guys can remain in your little bubble? Does it take a lot of emotional effort on your, on your part? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just try to, honestly, I try to like, not, I try to kind of keep them out of it a little bit you know like I, my, they're definitely a part of my life and I haven't like shied it all away from you know my family or or you know posting my kids doing something or whatever but like yeah ideally like people who are mega famous I am I am terrified for them <laughs> like of the the scrutiny the you know that it puts on you and so like ideally I don't you know ideally um I don't know especially in Maine it's like there's nobody really like standing up and saying stuff for the most part that's got like much of a voice you know the who like the most famous people around here are like news anchors and like you know weathered people and they're not saying shit yeah you know so it's like it's yeah it's definitely it's very easy to get a target on your back or your family's back and so I am very conscious of that to the point where like you know I I you know consider like moving sometimes you know not out of Maine but just like elsewhere yeah how does it feel in your I know you, you were you're from Wells and you live yeah. in Sanford now but how does, how does it feel just in your little direct community do you feel like you're to the point where you can comfortably like uh you know go to the grocery store go to the post office do basic mundane tasks and just like feel left alone Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I feel fine about that. You know, even if people, you know, occasionally I'll, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I'm definitely like locally, you know, known or whatever, but like, you know, it's not like, you know, people don't bother me or whatever, you know, but um, for me, yeah, I, I feel like the, as far as like the tension, like the, the, like, you mean like the tension or like COVID or like all of that, I feel like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty chill. I, I'm not, I'm not too, you know, stressed out about it currently. I'm just, you know, conscious of how things got last summer and, and, you know, hopeful for the future. Yeah, totally. And then on the other side of things, on the extreme other side of things, is it lonely to be in the industry that you're in sometimes? Like, do you feel almost isolated, like you're by yourself and in your own head, like just trying to do what you're doing? Constantly constantly it's and that you know that was magnified by the pandemic because it was like occasion you know I'd still like see people playing shows and that would like you know then I'd enjoy my Monday Tuesday kind of to myself making music you know but when every day is by yourself in your own head you know swerving around your flaws and trying to like grasp on to like any shreds of confidence you can 
you know, find from your past accomplishments or the internet, it's definitely like, it's a battle, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a mental battle for sure. Um, and especially like for me, cause I like record myself for the most part, even during normal times, uh, it's very lonely. I've, I've addressed it with other rappers, every other big, like kind of rapper I, I meet, I kind of talk to them about that concept and they're all, they all agree. It's weird. It's weird. You know, and I bet anybody who's like a famous, you know, I bet Stephen King's lonely, you know, or, or was, you know, I don't know if I'm sure he's got his family around and whatever now, but um, you know, or any artists uh, as far, I mean like, you know, painters or, you know, it's a lonely thing if you're, if you're making enough money to not have to do anything else, you know, there's no coworkers really. So um, I relish any opportunity to see people, you know, and talk, talk to people. Cause at the end of the day, I, I do, you know, I don't miss like my restaurant job, but I, I do miss like casual coworker joking and interaction and stuff sometimes. So, you know, I totally relate to that. Sometimes it's like, I'm certainly not even close to being famous or, you know, have the following you do or accomplish what you have. But some days, you know, being self-employed and being an entrepreneur and like constantly just like being out there, it's definitely lonely, but I miss almost like going to that restaurant and working the serving shift and dealing with the bullshit drama and like clocking in, clocking out and like, just like, drama gossip you know behind the line and like stuff like that it's almost like I miss that too it's like it can be lonely being an entrepreneur it's it's such a loud busy industry to be in when you're all over social media and you're gaining a following and you need to build a brand but like what a lot of people I think don't understand is like you can look like you've got so much going on and then like when the computer's off the phone's off and you're just like chilling you're like all right well what the fuck what's now like who's around me it's it can be a lot it's a it's a weird weird feeling Yes. Yeah. You're totally, the loneliness of it is definitely like a factor. And I worry it like bleeds too much into my music because I get too introspective. I've got like 20 songs about my, myself, you know, and like what's going on in my head and like, you know, or whatever. And like dealing with the version of me who's got not much willpower. And, you know, I made this song called Parasite about, you know, almost like self-consciousness and anxiousness that like eats away at you, you know, it's all, you're almost in a battle against it. Like it's another person inside you, you know? And so I realized that makes me sound like a complete psycho. And, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I definitely feel all that. Um, and then the social, that as far as like, I guess I'll loop like all, all uh, what, one thing I realized in making this album that I've been working on is that like, I'm addicted. Like I am in, I am fully like completely addicted to attention. Like it's a, like it fills a hole, a never ending like black hole in me that I have to like constantly fill up, you know, to to get like the serotonin boost that it gives me, you know? And so it's like, but the, the problem with me and my whole career and I'm awesome and just the way it all played out is I, I got, you know, metaphorically so high off that experience of all new firsts, you know, my first, you know, first time flying to New York to do something music related, my first time getting, you know, like $30,000, my first time, uh, you know, uh, having my song on the radio, my first time having my song go number one on the radio, my first time having a video have like a million views in like a day. And subsequently, everything since has not gotten me that high, you know, it's like, to get back, once you achieve that so early, you know, there's really no amount of the drug of like the attention that will equal what it felt like, that euphoria or whatever, you know? And so, you know, and that's your whole life at some point, you know, like my five-year-old, you know, like when I walked into like Cumberland Farms with my two-year-old twins, I remember they were like, they, it was like they were at Disney World. It's like the, uh, just the shock and the joy of something the first time and how, you know, awesome it is to you, you know, fades and you, you numb over time to it. And so, you know, I'm always looking for those, 
you know, so social media in a way is what I was trying to get at is like a, a black hole of like, swipe my thumb down, see if I got any new likes, any new comments, any new whatever, anytime I'm feeling low or whatever. And then when you get it, it's gone. And it's never, you know, it's never enough. So, you know, it's a constant, it's definitely like a real, a real thing that I've struggled with. And, and hence why I've tried to get more into just kind of enjoying the, the making. Yeah, the process of it. Yeah. And I know you're not alone. That entire, all of what you just described, it's like such a, you either get it or you don't, you know, like people will either get what you say or they won't. And what you just said is like so relatable to so many people. And it's, it can be, that's, it's scary. Like it, thinking about all of that, that's wildly scary, but exciting and exhilarating. Um, So outside of like knowing that you can go to social media to get that little, little bit of the uh, neurotransmitter boost where outside like outside of music outside of social media like where do you find those little magic tidbits that like light you up and and like shake up the magic that makes you feel alive wow you got the good questions Hannah oh Jesus I um, go so deep sometimes I'm like what did you just say (laughs) so in the metaphysical no uh so (laughs) so yeah I mean that's a great question so I get a lot of joy from well, I guess I'm aware that joy is for the most part manufactured. I need to manufacture my own joy. It's not just, it's not like I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to feel great. You know, it's like, so, you know, um, I know that if I work out, like if, I, not that I'm like super muscle guy, but like if I go do like a 40 minute workout and I see it through to the end, I feel good about myself for a little while. You know, and I know if, um, I know if I throw, you know, if I'm doing the dishes and I throw on the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance, I'm going to rock out and sing along. I know, you know, I know how to find joy from music, you know, in those scenarios and just little mundane moments. I love, you know, music. I love um, finding new music I'm stoked about. I got really into this british rapper slow tie over the last like couple months and so like you know listening to slow tie or like watching interviews with him would get me inspired and stoked and and part of my you know little uh joy that i i manufacture from that is just like getting inspired by those artists and you know and then opening up my you know logic pro where i make music in and and making some music that it was inspired by what I just heard, which is what I've been doing since I was a kid, you know? And so, um, you know, that stuff brings me joy. Um, Sports, I really like watching sports as a distraction and I've got my little, you know, alliances and allegiances and my schedules of certain teams that I'm up on. And I'm always, you know, for example, even I went to bed last night early at like nine, yeah, like nine, nine, ten. I went to bed because tonight the Celtics play the Lakers at 10 p.m. and I'm old and I want to watch the whole game. And so, <laughs> you know, and I know it's going to bring me joy to have my little moment, you know, by myself, you know. And then also, you know, my, my, uh, my kids and my wife kind of just bring me joy because there's not like a pressure to perform in any way, you know, it's just, oh, I'm just, you know, happy to hang out with my family and my wife loves listening to, you know, Rick Ross and the city girls and, you know, whatever rap, you know, Saweetie or whatever uh, female rappers she really <laughs> enjoys. And, and uh, you know, I just enjoy that people, you know, I enjoy having fun with them and I enjoy, um, you know, just like, nature you know and like going outside and and uh just the simple shit i guess but really you know my most surefire way to to feel accomplished is to make make a song i guess you know is like my my go-to yeah it, it always circles back if you ask you know someone in the creative world in the creative industry it's like that type of question that I fire at you, you know, you can tell, you know, you love nature and sports and your family and, and you can go to the gym and do all these things. But at the end of the day, it's like, what, when we're so deep in what we're doing, it's like, that's, 
where we are so fired up around and it's like that that'll never end and it's it's something that's almost like you can't even explain so I totally get that I 100% get all that um sometimes I got to remind myself like I'll be in the middle of like making something and I just like almost have to be like this is it like this is this is why this is why you do it this is why you did all the mundane you know, paying your bills, paying your, doing your taxes, taking, you know, uh, going to Walmart to eat food, to eat lunch. This is why you do it all is to get here. You know, sometimes I got to remind me. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. What do you, how do you feel like you got the business side of things? Like, obviously when we're in a creative realm, it's like, we can lock that down because you can make it up as you go. Essentially you can pull it from like your inner core, but like business side of things. Cause like you run a lot of your own shit. So like, how did you just like learn it as you go as far as like business wise? A thousand percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no business training whatsoever. I did not ever in my life even like consider learning about taxes or you know, small businesses or anything. I just had no, I never, I only ever had interest in the creative part of things and never in like the, the business side of things, which I I think is a little bit like, um, I was always into computers, but I was never into like taking computers apart and looking at the inside of them. Like I would do that if I had to, but I was just trying to turn it on to use Photoshop, you know, in a way like, and so you know, or to use the audio program or to use PageMaker or Fontographer or whatever the hell I was going to use or, um, and so, you know, the business stuff has all been a crash course. You know, the record deal year was a big, um, you know, which is 2010 was like a big learning experience for me to the point where I was paying like taxes on it for like five years after because I didn't even know I had to do taxes like I didn't, know, <laughs> I didn't know anything I didn't even do my taxes you know that for that because I was like too intimidated by it and I was like oh I give up I probably fucked it up anyways you know and yeah. so you know then they're like hey you all all this money so for years I was paying back on that which is bad <laughs> bad business when you don't have to owe that money and you're paying it you know and then but the big thing I found was like the return on investment I figured this out with like my third album, um, The Audacity, which I put out in 2012, um, which I, th- I consider like my first album I was fully in control of at that point, like post record deal. This was like, all right, I'm going to make an album from scratch, you know, at, after the record deal was that one. And um, that album did really well for me commercially, independently. And um, I realized that my return on investment on the amount of time and effort it takes to make a Spose song, even if I buy the beat from somebody else, is just astronomical. You know, the, the, the amount of money I spend versus the amount of money I make per song is just crazy. It's like selling popcorn or something, you know? So it's like one of those things that like, you know, you buy for very little and you sell it for a ton of profit. And so that's kind of when I realized that like my time is best spent specifically on this you know i was like okay my time what is what what could i do in the next hour that's going to make me the most money down the line and it's you know the answer is almost always make a song um however sometimes my focus on the brand spose which is the you know the thing that basically the sole business i run that makes me you know all of my income you know, what I've slowly realized over time is that like all my creative efforts for that, where I've done all these things to try to promote Spose, which is, you know, a a white rapper from Maine, which is a niche market, you know, so I've been, you know, every time I made a children's book or I made a mobile app or I made, I don't know, whatever the hell else I did, it was all to boost the brand Spose, which at the end of the day, I worry is a niche thing anyways, because how far, you know, in my mind, I'm, you know, the peak of Spose is I'm playing Gillette Stadium and I'm gigantic, you know, in my mind, but maybe that's, you know, slightly delusional, you know, in a way. And so, um, you know, I've kind of realized over time that like maybe as much as I can always go make a Spose song and that's going to make me money for the rest of my life, um, my skill set might be better applied to 
other industries and stuff. And so I've been, you know, exploring those over the past couple of years and, you know, hopefully um, when you talk to me in five years, I'm more diversified to, um, you know, different, different streams of income outside of just uh, the, you know, my music stuff. I mean, I feel like you already have your hand in, in so many different pots. You just mentioned the app and I wanted to make sure I brought that up because you were like the first musician to like tie a record into a video game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I really, I really thought that was going to blow. Like I was like, this is it. I spent all my money. I risked, I, I risked all my money. And then I asked the people who pay me royalties every month for like an advance of more money you know, to, that, that was forthcoming, that I, that was coming in the next few months to finish this app on my, you know, basically with my own money, you know, convinced that like when this shit drops and people see that I, you know, with this team I hired, you know, the first time I ever started kind of like a little company where I'm managing employees, they're all contracted, you know, like contractor employees basically, but like, um, you know, once people saw what I'd done and the, you know, and the album, you know, the album was really well received as one of my, you know, most acclaimed, you know, kind of pieces I ever put out that album, but the app, you know, I just miscalculated on a bunch of things. And so I, I really learned a lot, but, you know, I really thought the app would also show people like, look, man, like there's nothing I can't do in a way. It's like, I taught, I learned how to do this in, you know, a year and, and did it you know, and didn't just talk about it. I, I was showing up with, you know, Android and Apple devices on me to test it on different devices and show it to people here, play it. Let me know what you think, you know, type of, type of thing, you know, and I think the big thing for me is um, when I was little, when I was like a kid, I moved a lot and my mom moved. Con I mean, I'm, I think I lived in 10 different houses and went to like five different schools before fifth grade. And so I was all, I think I always felt like inadequate and like I wasn't cool and I was trying to fit in and I was trying to make friends. And so I was like a, almost like a pathological liar. Like I'd be like, yeah, I've got the new 311 album. And then I'd have to go buy it to like fake that I had it, you know, like, and I really just wanted to be, you know, accepted and, and, and cool and, and prove to people I could do it. And so as I grew up, I learned, you know, I got bit a couple of times. I got burned a couple of times by basically being like caught in the lie, you know, like, oh, like, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you said this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so like, as an adult, I never even say anything unless I'm definitely going to do it. Like, I'm never going to say like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a, you know, I'm going to start a toilet paper company unless I'm really going to do it, you know? And so like with the app and with the book and with anything, you know, I, if I say it out loud to somebody, I've got to follow through in a way. And so, um, the app, you know, the book, all those things were in addition to being challenges to myself and also cool marketing ideas for my music, because at the end of the day, you know, you can make compelling music, but you need to make people care that you're making compelling music. And so, you know, I always look at those kind of as marketing strategies for Spose, but I guess my point before this was just that, I, if I were applying those to a more universal product than white main dad rap, the, the, the market cap on it might be a little higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think it's cool. I downloaded it and I think it's fun. The game uh, is dope. The game is dope. I promise yeah, yeah. if anybody downloads the game, you will be very entertained. You fight through the, you fight through the state of Maine through like the Freiburg <laughs> fair and Port Portland and, and you know, Wells, Maine, and you eventually fight governor, former governor LePage. It's very, <laughs> you know, and shout out to, you know, Quentin and Brad and Mark and um, Hanji who um, helped me make that game, um, you know, from nothing. It's amazing. I'm gonna anyone listening. I'm gonna put all of this stuff in the show notes. So definitely click it and go find it. Uh, so you just said you're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an app and, and do a book and all these things because there's nothing I can't do, and I'm gonna prove that. I feel like that's such a doers and shakers spirit, like from the ground up, like having that mentality. Um, I want to like not not like a game, but this little thing. I'm gonna fire off a question, and I want you to respond with just one word. That okay. comes to mind based on that. And so the first one is, how does someone remain relevant in a business after so many years showing up on social media? 
Um, persistence is an easy one word. That's Pers fantastic. But if I could just throw one more word out there, it's like um, over deliver. Mm, I think that's, that's the big one. Is, and, and every time you every to every year you're around, you almost have to over deliver more because you've already over delivered and they already expect a certain level of things. So you must always over deliver, give them more than their money's worth. Amazing. All right. Next one. You can give me two words for this. What would the two words you would tell someone that wants to expand their business, like to add a branch to their business? Do it. <laughs> I just fucking do it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so perfect. All right, last one. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. All right, let's see. What matters when you are first branding yourself? Ooh. Google, I think is my, <laughs> I, I, what I mean by that is when you Google, when you tell me what you are, you tell me, Hey, I'm started a skateboard company. It's called, you know, cloud. And I'm like, Oh, dope. And so I go to Google and I type cloud. You're not going to be the first thing that shows up, mm. you know, cause it's the, it's this like, you're like the 50th thing that shows up under cloud because there's like a million things named cloud. So like you got to name your shit you, something unique that is the first thing that comes up when you search for it. Awesome. Amazing. So yeah, you're, you're saying that to think about the name, to think about what, who they are going to be should probably stand out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I want to end the episode with asking you... What do you think the next generation coming up of entrepreneurs and doers and shakers and the people that are just going to like mold the world, what do you think that they need to know? Ooh. What do they need to feel with every like fiber of their being to be successful? Wow. That's a, uh... Well, I really do feel as much as like, you know, we're earlier, we were talking about how it's scary times. It's like dooms, it feels like the past and like doomsday is on the way. I do think the lessons of our present generation definitely is going to benefit um, like my kids in the, ne the next generation of like, like you said, doers and shakers. But like, you know, I think, you know, I, I guess I, I'll speak on a societal level before like a personal level, but like, Hopefully we don't um, suffocate the next generation of, you know, entrepreneurs in debt before mm. when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. I think that's the biggest thing we could do for the next generation is in, unless you're suffocating them in the debt that they desire to accrue to take a risk on their own business. It's like, I'd rather kids are getting hundred thousand dollar loans when they're 18 to try to run a business than to, um, get a year or two years of, of college, honestly, because it's like, it's a more, it, it's a bigger upside. You know, we always teach people to go, to go to college, to do this, to do that. Not and some people, college is the right move for some people, but we always teach people to go to college so they can get a job. That's always what it is. Get a job, but you could make a job and the ceiling's so much higher. If you're your own boss, you know, in the, and you're running your own thing and you, and if, you know, I think when you're in college and you're using all this money, that's basically, you know, loans usually co-signed by your parents. Um, you don't feel like you're, you really don't feel like a super personal attachment to that money so much as you would if it was you risking it on like your passion and your business, you know? And so like, I hope the next generation has the opportunity to do that. Um, but I think the big thing personally they need to have is a willingness to fail. And I think that's the same thing for the present day too, is like, you gotta be ready to lose, you know, like and prepared to keep going when you do lose, you know? So 
if you're ne if you're not if you can't handle the embarrassment of like failure you know then you're probably not cut out for it at the end of the day it's like you got to be ready to fail you know especially with art like all my i i you know i overthink and like worry about like my next album all the time you know like is this are they going to hate this is this too far have i done you know is you know et cetera, et cetera. and so um i think you know i i've never been afraid of judgment or ridicule or the failure because that comes with any chance you could have of success and you know financial success from art or whatever you know and so you know just be ready to ready to lose but determined to not lose oh that's so good that's so good also you stating that the next generation of entrepreneurs need to have like an emotional uh tie connection to the money and that they'll be more connected if it's like an investment on what they're doing versus like money to send them to college is probably one of the most spot on things that i will hear all year um yeah that I 100% agree with you. I think that the next generation college, it might not even be <laughs> what they should be like sent to do. I think that if you've got an idea and you want to get funding for that idea and you have thick enough skin and you're going to run with it, then we should be encouraging that over college uh, 100%. And the willingness to do something, knowing that you could potentially eat shit and you're still going to keep going is 100% spot on and all part of being an entrepreneur and being able to get kicked down. Um, listen, I could talk to you all day. Like I said, I feel like we're going to end it here because you ended on such an awesome note with such a great point. Um, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome talking to you. Great to talk to you too. As, as I said, I don't talk to anybody, so it's always great. <laughs> and, uh, and also thank you for the really great thoughtful questions. I think I hopefully there's stuff that people can apply, but I really appreciated it. So thank you. Oh, amazing. Thanks for saying that. And you guys all heard it straight from Spose. Listen to your gut and be apologetically you stand up. That is amazing. Thanks so much again. And I will be posting all of the goodies in the show notes below where you can find the super fun app and where you can find his music and where he's hanging out on Instagram. Thanks again, Spose. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that was pretty awesome, if I do say so myself. Hey guys, if you like what you heard, please do a favor leave a review. It helps get this podcast and this episode seen by many people across the board in hopes of helping them grow their business and drawing a vision out, putting pen to paper. So drop down, leave a review, let us know what you thought. I will be ever so grateful. Screenshot that you were checking out this episode, post to your Instagram stories so that I can share it and drop a thank you straight into your DM. Massive shout out to Spose. You were incredible to hang out with today. We all appreciate your wise words, your humor, sarcasm, and heartfelt message. Hey guys, if you want to reach out to me at any point and pop on this podcast and chat about your business, entrepreneurship, or what it's like to be a doer and shaker in this world, <laughs> please do so. Doersandshakers at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you or go give a follow Doers and Shakers on Instagram. I hope to see you over there. Take care, be well, and do all of the things that drive you batty, right? It wouldn't be an entrepreneurship if you didn't feel a little chaotic. Am I right? All right, guys. Thanks so much for the support and the continuous love. Be well.